We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in. Glad you found us for another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. My name is John Fitzgerald, and over the next 30 minutes or so, we will catch you up on all the latest Redbird news, as well as a conversation with former Redbird linebacker and three-time All-American Boomer Grigsby, who will enter the College Football Hall of Fame this coming December. But first, let's get you all caught up on the latest action in Illinois State Redbird Athletics. Alley Matters and the Redbird Volleyball team split a pair of matches last weekend as the Birds opened Valley play in the state of Indiana. ISU dropped their opener 3-1 last Friday night in Evansville before rebounding on Saturday afternoon to blank Indiana State in straight sets in Terre Haute. Sarah Kushner led the attack with a match-high 15 kills in the afternoon on Sunday, while freshman setter Emily Weber registered 21 assists. With those 15 kills against the Sycamores, Kushner became just the 17th player in Redbird history to eclipse 1,000 career kills. Birds are now 8-6 overall, 1-1 in the Missouri Valley Conference. ISU will open a two-match homestand this Friday night 
against Valparaiso. It'll be Pack the Arena Night at Redbird Arena. Match time is set for 6 p.m. Marissa Kresge and the ISU soccer team dropped a pair of tight matches this past weekend at the hands of Northern Iowa and Indiana State. Birds will head to Drake tomorrow night before playing host to Belmont on Sunday for a noon start at Adelaide Street Field. The women's tennis team competed in their first tournament of the fall this past weekend, taking part in the UTR circuit event at the University of Illinois. The doubles team of Navina Kolarevich and Tara Danyanovich picked up a 7-5 win to cap the weekend. The Birds will return to action this Friday when they host the Redbird Invitational. The three-day tournament will take place at the Gregory Street Courts. That's a quick look at some of the latest headlines this week in Redbird Athletics. When we come back, we'll sit down with one of the newest members of the College Football Hall of Fame, former Illinois State All-American linebacker Boomer Grigsby. Stay with us as In the Nest continues right after this timeout. Head coach Brock Spack and the Illinois State football team are ready to roll this fall, and we want you to be a part of the action. Starting at just $50, season tickets are now on sale. Come out and support this season and lock your seats in for all six home contests. To purchase and for all other ticket questions, contact the ISU Athletics Ticket Office at 309-438-8000. That's 309-438-8000. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to In the Nest as we are joined this week by Illinois State Hall of Famer and three-time first-team All-American linebacker Boomer Grigsby, who is being inducted as member of the newest class in 2022 in the College Football Hall of Fame this coming December. Boomer, thanks so much for joining us and taking the time. I know it's a busy week for you. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. For those who don't know, the all-time career leader in tackles and solo stops, 550 career tackles. That's the most ever in FCS history. Also, a school record 179 tackles, both his sophomore and junior years at Illinois State and a three-time first-team All-American to go along with a three-time MVC Defensive Player of the Year. That's quite a resume and well-deserving of the Hall of Fame candidacy. How does it sound right now, Boomer Grigsby, College Football Hall of Famer? I don't, I, I don't think it's it's natural yet, and it's still relatively uncomfortable. It almost kind of, I don't know if I want to say blush, but probably something like that. Um, it was It was something that, you know, once you get done playing, it, it almost seems like a lifetime ago when you repeat some of those things, like, you know, memories come kind of flooding back. And so it just kind of like makes me rethink some like wonderful years of my life. But it was clearly something that anyone would would want 
Um, mainly, I just I'm just glad that it happened when it did. Incredible accomplishment, not only for yourself, but for this athletic department, this university. You're going to be back in town this week, stopping by the Brock Spack Show on Thursday night at Schooners. And then on Saturday, you'll be honored as part of your induction class before uh, when the Redbirds take on SIU this Saturday night. And let's go back a little bit. And there's stories. And now that you're a Hall of Famer and you're of a certain age, those stories, I think, by definition, turn into legends. So the legend is you were lifting weights at Canton High School, were seen by an Illinois State recruit, and that's how the recruiting process started. Is that valid? Yeah, I mean, I, I will actually even elaborate on this in more detail because it's Legends sometimes can get uh, exaggerated. You know, Just that's, that's part bit. of anything that's that's legend. And, and this is more what I would consider factually accurate. Um, <laughs> an uh, Illinois State graduate assistant um, named Derek Whittington um, essentially, like, I think was trying to, like, overdo his job and hitting every single high school within his region um, and came through Canton High School in the spring of my junior year. And I think that he came more to see a friend of mine who was like a large offensive lineman and I was lifting weights and he started to talk to me. And I just, you know, was like uh, your typical kid that was just excited that somebody wanted to talk to me and he followed up and they came to the first game and then they offered me a scholarship. But like, when I look back, like all of that really did happen because he ventured into that weight room that day. You know I mean? I didn't speak to another school. It wasn't a D2, a D3, a junior college and NAIA, like no one, like it was Illinois state and Illinois state only. And it's interesting is that, you know, that was, uh, that was, uh, I think Illinois State went to the final four that year in like in 99. So it was, there was a great program. Todd Berry was the head coach and they were, you know, he went on and, and did other things, but it all wouldn't have happened if that guy didn't come through that weight room. It's just crazy how life kind of works. Cause this wasn't like 1970, you know, this is 99. Right. <laughs> Gotta love overachieving graduate assistant coaches. Overachieving, thank God for an overachieving <laughs> graduate assistant coach because what, what little, you know, what, what small act led to so much more and has, you know, changed my life forever. An NFL career from that first instance, which is really mind boggling, especially the fact that it was just 1999, as you're talking about. To go back though, Illinois State, really the only offer you received to play college football? Correct. That's, uh, that's a fact. That's also factually accurate and not legend. <laughs> so that happens. You come to Bloomington Normal, and Todd Berry and the coaching staff no longer there. Denver Johnson is the new head football coach, which Correct. Had, to, had to throw a little bit of butterflies at you, too, is the one person who did recruit you is no longer on campus. Well, I mean, it's actually the story is even a little bit more interesting. Before I got a, a college scholarship, the only thing I'd ever had any, like my ambition in high school was to hopefully at some point attend a military academy. And I think I was, I probably had most likely I'd entirely, I'd watched way too many movies and was just <laughs> dreaming of being an action hero when I look back on it. But I also was attracted to like the level of education and the prestige. But then I came on an official visit to Illinois state and I was like, wow, college sounds a lot of fun. I bet that would is entirely like more entertaining than a military academy. Well, then, as it turns out, when Tom Bear Todd Berry left that year, he went to West Point. So I was kind of like, now I was already committed to Illinois State. And I was like, does this mean I have to go to West Point? Now I don't know if I want to go to West Point. Because you don't know what you don't know. You're a kid. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I didn't know. Like, 
and Barry had made it kind of clear that I was committing to him. <laughs> like, I think that's what good coaches do. Like, I remember him saying like, Boomer, what I want to know is if the Green Bay Packers call you and play football, that you're going to tell them, no, I'm going to go play at Illinois State with Coach Todd Barry. And I'm like, yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> but, you know, everything worked out. Denver, I think Perk Weisenberger was the athletic director at the time. He called the moment that all of that happened, I think, when Todd left and, and said that he was going to honor the scholarship. I, I believe this I went down. I'm assuming that he'd already spoke with, with Coach Johnson and – and that actually turned into a to an incredible relationship. Like Denver Johnson was tremendous to me. Um, the the relationship worked out. Like my career blossomed kind of underneath his head coach. Obviously, played for Denver for those four years, last three of which three time first team All American. And you you talked about the fact that under Todd Berry's tutelage, this program had gone to a Final Four in '99. They had had a nice run before he went to Army. But what you did individually, a three-time Missouri Valley Football Conference Defensive Player of the Year, really threw a big spotlight on this ISU football program, didn't it? Oh, I mean, I I don't know how it was perceived. Um, I was just trying to be more <laughs> to make this kind of soft. Like uh, I just I I had some some good seniors that were ahead of me. I mean, Galen Scott was an All American when I was a freshman and then he went on to coach me and I carried around this little media guide in high school and that I like was reading about player profiles, you know? And I mean, cause Illinois state was, was enormous to me. Like the first time I came to Bloomington, like I thought it was Chicago. Um, I mean, you just, you know, perception is, is everything and like your precedent. Like we just, I'd never been to a college program before. So I thought this was amazing. Um, and it was an amazing experience, but I, I had good seniors a, ahead of me that I could kind of look up to and kind of wished I would, I could be like, you know, like I liked, I liked how they were admired and I liked the prestige that came with Galen being an all American and leading in tackles. And I just remember kind of thinking like, well, I want to do that. I want to be like that if I could. Um, and then one step at a time, things just kind of continually grew. You know, obviously as you mature, as most individuals do when they get into college, did you find yourself and you kind of compared yourself to the high school player at Canton High School to what you not necessarily accomplished, but you're, from a work ethic standpoint at Illinois State? Was that drastically different during your four years here in Normal? I don't think so. I think that that my experience is a little bit more unique than some other players because a lot of guys that I know that were very successful in college and then went on to play pro football, they were always kind of great. They were always like the guy on their team. Um, even in high school. And like, I don't, that wasn't the case with me. Like, I mean, there was three or four guys, at least on my high school football team that I think had more of an impact on my high school football team winning than I did. You know, it's almost like, this is something like, once you go on, the legend grows backwards that you were always great. And like that, I don't think that was the case. I think I was a, a young, um, talented and very ambitious like athlete that just kind of wanted more. And I just needed some, some coaching and then like the right program. And so when Illinois State brought me and then you, you introduced me to a collegiate strength coach and you allowed me to get obsessive in a weight room. And fortunately, like that was something that I had a huge passion for. And the weight room, I feel like, is more synergistic with football than it is even other sports. So like they kind of made even they made a man out of me. I mean, I, I didn't even shave until like, I got my sophomore year of college. So like, you're literally like growing up and I'm, you know, crushing a weight room five or six days a week and like running out of my meal card in October and having to go meet with the head coach in order to get more dollars on it. Um, so, <laughs> so I think I, I had the same obsessive 
um, drive and passion. I just think that it was kind of amplified at the collegiate level, partly also due to the talent around you. I mean, when you get there, like, I felt like a boy again. You know what I mean? That whole, like, you're a senior and you're the man. Then you go to college and you're a freshman. I'm looking at, like, men with, like, beards, <laughs> tattoos, and attitudes. <laughs> like, like, do I belong here? So, like, I think you either quickly adapt. I mean, you either, you either swim with the sharks or you don't swim very long. <laughs> You've talked about your relationship with Denver Johnson and as that grew throughout your campaign, how much did you lean on him during those four years? Not only from a football standpoint and a post-football standpoint into your professional career, but just from a relationship standpoint. Well, I had a great relationship with, with Denver and I think that he, he had respect for me and, and the work ethic and then trying to be a leader in, in the right ways as far as like doing things right in school and and handling yourself accordingly, and then let alone like effort. Um, he was always great to me, but as a head coach, you know, as, as much as that he had direct toolage over me, like it was also position coaches and defensive coordinators that were involved, um, strength coaches, um, and all of those, all those people were directly under him, obviously. So a lot of that credit goes to him because he's also the one that honored the scholarship in the beginning. And, and our relationship was great all through college. Like I, I still wish the world for him. I'd love to see him. Um, Randall McRae was a defensive coordinator there when I was a freshman and I knew nothing. Uh, and, and I remember some, some colorful stories about him that I'd like to speak to him about. <laughs> and then when he left, Galen came in, but I look back at that and the times were different, but they helped kind of make the man into me. Like they, they molded who I became, you know, like that wasn't just my drive. That was, that was some ambition that I think far exceeded talent, but then some people that were willing to pour some enthusiasm into it. And I just think I'm the kind of person that responds well to that. So obviously you mature both on and off the field during your time, you go from being unrecruited to now, let's say at least a two-time All-American after your junior year. At what point did professional football, the NFL, really come into your thought process as far as this is not only achievable, but it's something I want. It's a great question. Cause I feel like a lot of kids like come to college and they think they're going to go play pro football. And like, I remember thinking just very differently than, than some of my colleagues. I remember thinking like, well, we probably should be the best at this level before we try to go to the next level, which isn't always the case, by the way, there's all kinds of examples of players that were like, weren't even all conference on a team and then make the pro bowl like four years Absolutely. later. NFL. So it's somewhat complicated. That was just, that was just my mentality. Um, you know, I think as as the career went on uh, at Illinois State, I just lost my train of thought, so we're going to have to repeat that one. <laughs> when did the NFL really oh, come into your there mind you go. as far as an attainable goal for yourself? So I think the NFL became a reality, which I think is the spring of your junior year in college. And I, the reason I believe that's that's specific to that time is I think that's when the NFL National Scout comes and works out the potential seniors for the next season. And really all you do is I think they do like a height, weight and a 40. And so like supposedly I was remotely on the radar, but I remember thinking at the time, like, well, if I was so good, maybe I'd be playing at you know, Notre Dame or Florida State or somewhere else. And, I, and I'm here and I love it here. And it's been great to me. But, you know, is this really a reality? And I didn't have the ego to think like, oh, well, of course I can. Like I probably needed a little validation. Um, but I think I, I we ran we we did the forty that day and I did very well and I think that's when things became a reality because that's when the phone started ringing a little bit more with with potential agents and I think they give you a national grade I believe is how that works 
which, you know, I was, a, I think I was a fifth round grade and then, you know, go figure. I, I was drafted in the fifth round. So maybe, maybe these guys are remotely good at what they do. <laughs> uh, but, but looking back on that, I think that kind of put things more on the map that more scouts started to come through Illinois state, most likely due to that national grade that was in the spring of the season. And, but then even still, like, you're just not sure how it's going to work out. Like I, I never had the ego of like, of course I'm going to the show. Like maybe, maybe this, maybe I'll have another great season and, I just still won't be good enough. You just don't know what you don't know at the time. You know, you're just kind of hoping on. And then you, you start to dream even more, the more that a potential opportunity becomes real. So then you do go on the fifth round to the Kansas City Chiefs and play a lot on special teams. Begin your career in Kansas City. And I guess my question for you is coming from Canton and almost being a self-made player at Illinois State, you looked up to people, you had good leadership you mentioned during your time at the Redbirds here on campus. You get to pro football in your first camp. It's really a different animal when it's a business, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I mean, just think about it on a very like primal level, like everyone there was the best where they were at. And some of them were so good that you can't even necessarily comprehend it, let alone like you're walking around and some people are like celebrities and now you're saying hi to, but you've just watched them on TV and are pretending that you don't think it's really cool that you're like <laughs> next to them in a locker room. Other ones are monsters where you're kind of like looking at them being like, where did you grow up? Like, I can't even imagine you riding a bike, like as a kid, like, are you serious? Like, in the sandbox? <laughs> right. But other people are moving so fast. You're like, is this a video game? This is real life. And then like, you, you kind of really have to like convince yourself like, well, I'm here. So I was invited. And so I need to remind myself that like, I belong here. Otherwise, I think it could be very intimidating. You're just looking around like, whoa, and things happen just so fast. Big guys move fast. Small guys move faster. Um, things happen so quick that it is an adjustment, let alone that you go from, you know, college life where you live in your dorm and attend class a little bit to essentially you're a grown adult that's now under the public eye. And you you might not want to like, you know, rip as many shots at the public bar now that you're in a professional capacity. <laughs> when you when you add on the fact of college, that kind of collective team program mentality, we're going to make a run of the playoffs, we're going to try to win a national title to really in a pro setting, especially at a camp setting, I would think, where you've got a mix of veterans and rookies and people trying to get their foot in the door, where it's really almost every man for himself, that has to be a big adjustment as well, I would think. For sure. I mean, and I don't think that's any secret. I mean, professional football is a, is a wonderful sport. There's a ton of camaraderie, but it's also no secret that it's a business. And so there's entire, and, and college is actually becoming more of that in a way, but like, it's in your best interest to be selfish as a pro where in college, it's more accepted that sometimes like you sacrifice a little bit for the team because in professional football, you have this like short time period to, to make money and achieve what you're trying to achieve. So some people are intentionally difficult just so they can get released. But I think over time, you know, that, that, that camaraderie comes together more like for instance, during the season, I think it's more of a selfish sport, but when the playoffs come in national football league, I feel like it becomes more of a collegiate experience because now everybody's focused on the opportunity to get to a Super Bowl, which kind of changes it. It's not just about the paycheck and the money. That's interesting. So you spend three years with the Chiefs and toward the end of your tenure with the Chiefs, something that we've already talked about 
incredibly difficult to not only be invited, but stick. And you were playing all 16 games of a season in the NFL, which is the highest level of professional football out there. It's a little bit more mind numbing to consider getting to that level. And then, oh, I'm going to pick up a different position and learn something completely new. How was that approach as you made the transfer to fullback? Brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely stressful and um, completely insecure and a life filled with doubt and like, what have I done? But at the same point, like I I remember, you know, when when Herm asked me to do it, I was still a young kid and a team guy and I hadn't really thought it through. And to this day, there's still no regrets. You know what I mean? I, I did what I was asked to do. I went for it. But like, you know, if you think about it just from a mathematical perspective, there's about eight linebackers on 32 teams. And then they wanted me to switch to fullback that has like a fullback, like singular <laughs> on like 18 teams. So just statistically speaking, bad decision, Boomer, bad decision. Like at least like, and I have smart parents, but at the time I went for it. So, and there's no regrets. And like, I'm proud to have made it to the national football league, but I would say that I'm probably more proud than in the matter of that off season, I was able to transition and then make the team. And then that even got more interesting because when they asked to do HBO hard knocks, then they asked if you'd like to be a featured character. I remember being relatively hesitant because at the time I was like, this could be very embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Like I haven't really done this ever. And (laughs) this could expose a lot of problems. (laughs) And then I remember thinking though, like, I mean, what does it matter? You're going to go all out. You're going to give it, everything and you're going to do everything that you can in order to achieve what you're trying to achieve and so if 15 years from now or 20 you can look back and laugh at some of the things that happened to you it's still worth it and so I agreed to do that but it was very it was very stressful like I won't I won't hide that especially when it's kind of a known thing that you're the bottom of the roster and then on the show they're mentioning that you're the bottom of the roster which I didn't need the reminder I already knew (laughs) (laughs) What a sense of accomplishment, though, to be able to do that and then even start catching passes in the NFL after having been, (laughs) again, I hate to go back on it, but an unrecruited linebacker coming out of high school. Right. Well, and, you know, fortunately, the the positions are relatively similar in, like, stature, you know, but at the same point, like, it was no secret. They weren't bringing me to fullback to, like, catch the ball and to give me the ball. Like I was, I was utilized more as a, as a hammer because I think I lack the finesse, let alone the, uh, the ball carrying skills of your traditional um, fullback that probably could actually play two positions like that. That wasn't, that wasn't who I was. Um, You know, it worked out. I did catch a pass uh, probably only one, but I do remember the fact that I also didn't want to expose when I caught that pass, how bad I throw the football because I'm just kind of really known amongst my friends of being like, terribly unathletic at some things that you would assume I'm athletic at. So I literally like ran the football back out to the ref and underhand threw it. Kind of like it was like major league. You know what I mean? Where the guy has like the symptom. He doesn't want to throw the ball. So like I like ran it back out there and just gave it to the ref. Came off the field. <laughs> so, but it was a great experience, you know, no regrets, but I probably looking back should have said, release me. I'm a linebacker. <laughs> As you have gone post-NFL career, you're living out in Las Vegas, Nevada. What are you doing these days? So I do medical device sales. I work for a company called Stryker. It's a, it's a major medical device firm. Um, I primarily call on hospitals and surgeons. 
Um, it, it's been a very good business to me. Fortunately, um, I'd never heard of it when I left college and, and got drafted. My best friend, Yance Vaughn, who was also like my roommate and a former Illinois State quarterback, he went into that, into medical device. So when I was looking to transition out of football, um, he was doing something that kind of he recommended and suggested to me. And, and so far it's worked out. And I love Las Vegas. I, I don't gamble, uh, which is which is, you know, interesting that I live in Las Vegas. I mainly live in Las Vegas because I am from central Illinois. And as much as I love it, I still do not really consider the gloom that great of the of the of the winter. And I think that you can have a hard day or a bad day. I just think it's a little bit it's a little bit. It's, it's easier to have a better day with a blue sky. <laughs> Absolutely. And be wearing shorts and a golf shirt. Correct. Out of the air. So a tank top kind of guy. You you do strike me as a tank top kind of guy, and you and you should. Um, December six officially induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, it's going to be in your hometown at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Plans around that? Family, friends? Have you been able to even look that far ahead? Yeah, I mean, the, the family's coming to town. They're excited. Um, never been to a, an event, obviously, like this. I mean, it's it's black tie, um, and we're relatively blue collar. So I, I will be, be dressing up for the for the engagement. Um, but it's it's exciting. I mean, just to be up there with some players that you know I I admired um, watching, like when I when I was playing at the same time, or even earlier than me. I think it'll just be truly unique experience. I'm just happy, like I said that. It happened when it did. As far as like, I'm 40 years old. My parents are still available. My parents are, you know, in Central Illinois, and they were such a big part of my life, my college career, and my professional football career. That, you know, as much as it, it would always be such a compliment and honor to go in, even if I was 65. The fact that like we can all be there together, I think, makes it so much more important. Will your parents be on campus this weekend? They will. Yeah, that's great. And you'll obviously be. Honored as the birds take on SIU as part of Family Weekend, the Valley Opener, this coming Saturday night. And you will also be our guest on the Brock Speck Show Thursday night from Schooners. Have you been back to Schooners since you left campus? You know, I don't think so. I'm curious if I did ever come there, but I don't think it would have ever worked out when I was playing football just because obviously the seasons. You know, I think the last time that I was at Schooners, I don't even know if I was 21 when I was doing the Denver Johnson show. So like it'll be it'll be interesting for me to be at Schooners as a grown adult drinking beer and eating onion rings while doing a show. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to your time here at Illinois State, what are and it's probably very difficult to put into into one or two, but what are some of your favorite memories of Redbird football in your time here at Illinois State? Well, I don't know if I have a specific moment, but like now at, at I don't know. 40 that seems like a lifetime ago that I was there you know I think really though what what you look back and reflect on the most is the relationships that you made and clearly the experiences that you shared together you know football the beauty of it I mean even more so than the game is the way that it brings people together I mean people that uh, I mean I'm sure I could run into some people that I've not seen in 10 years and we would pick right up where we left off but the relationships that are made in the locker room and kind of like the camaraderie that's built and the shared like collegiate football experience feel like lasts a lifetime and, and you know to this day some of those friendships still come in and out I mean I, I work at a company because of a, a college friendship you know and I have multiple other friends that, that we stay in touch with so I think like ultimately the the experiences around college are who you experience them with well Boomer thank you so much for your time 
obviously, congratulations on your Hall of Fame induction. I look forward to seeing you later this weekend. That's Boomer Grigsby, the one of the newest members, the 2022 College Football Hall of Fame class, Redbird Hall of Famer, and three-time All-American linebacker for ISU. He's been our guest. We'll have more in the nest right after this timeout. The Illinois State Volleyball team is ready to roll this fall, and we want you to be a part of the action. Come out and support new head coach Allie Matters and the Volleyball Redbirds for just $65 and lock in your seats for all 12 home matches. To purchase and for all other ticket questions, contact the ISU Athletics Office at 309-438-8000. That's 309-438-8000. Welcome back to In the Nest. As we take a look at the week ahead in Redbird Athletics, Allie Matters and the Redbird Volleyball Team return to Redbird Arena and open a two-match conference homestand this Friday night, September 30th, when the Birds host Valparaiso at 7 o'clock. ISU will then entertain UIC on Sunday afternoon with a 4 o'clock start inside RBA. The Redbird soccer team will travel to Des Moines, Iowa tomorrow night. It'll be a 7 o'clock matchup with the Drake Bulldogs. Marissa Kresge's club will then return to Adelaide Street Field for a Sunday matinee against the Belmont Bruins. Kickoff on Sunday is set for 12 noon. The Illinois State women's tennis team will be in town this weekend as the Redbirds host the Redbird Invitational. That three-day tournament will get underway on Friday. The ISU men's tennis team will travel to Tulsa, Oklahoma for an extended weekend as the Birds compete in the ITA All-American Tournament. That four-day event will kick off on Saturday. The men's golf team will head to West Lafayette, Indiana to take part in the Purdue University Fall Invitational beginning next Monday. And the men's and women's cross-country teams will lace them up this Friday night in Columbia, Missouri to race in the University of Missouri's Gans Creek Classic. Race time is set for 6 p.m. on Friday night. And finally, Brock Spack and the Illinois State football team will look to stay red hot this weekend. The Birds have won two straight and will close out this three-game homestand on Saturday night when they open Missouri Valley Football Conference play with a matchup against 19th-ranked Southern Illinois. Kickoff is set for 6.30 inside Hancock Stadium. And fans, don't forget to take advantage of Redbird Row, which is free and open to the public. Redbird Row will include live music before every game, a video wall showcasing college football games from across the country, a beer garden, and food for purchase. Each week will also include the Reggie's Kids Zone, Yard games at a refillable water bottle station from the Office of Sustainability called Reggie's Watering Hole. As always, fans will be able to welcome the Redbird football team with the Bird Walk. That begins two and a half hours prior to kickoff. This year, the team will gather and make their way through the F-62 parking lot, also known as the Turner Lot, on their way to Redbird Row. Led by head coach Brock Spack, Reggie, ISU cheerleaders, and the Big Red Marching Machine. Team will continue through Redbird Row on their way to the Kauffman Football Building to begin their pregame warm-ups. For more information on tailgating opportunities for Redbird football this fall, reach out to Dylan Horder in the Redbird Ticket Office at 309-438-7200. 
3-1. The Brock's Back Show presented by Bud Light returns tomorrow night at 6 p.m. from Schooners in Bloomington. Make plans to join us at 810 East Grove Street in Bloomington or listen along the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network from Learfield. And finally, men's and women's basketball season tickets are now on sale for the upcoming 2022-23 campaigns. Upper Bowl seats start at just $100 for the men and $65 for the women. Visit GoRedbirds.com slash tickets to secure your season tickets at Redbird Arena this winter. That'll do it for this week's episode. For Redbird Hall of Famer, Boomer Grigsby, and our entire crew, this is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next week right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.